Hi, I'm Dave Sorrell. And I'm Alexander Wales. Welcome to Rationally Writing, episode 58, Gender in Fiction. So, before we begin, it's probably worth noting that we are speaking from our own experiences. Gender is, I believe, largely a social construct, and there are a lot of aspects to what we mean when we say gender that is built by our culture. I wouldn't want to presume to speak for all gender representations, or even a specific one, and we're probably going to get some stuff wrong here, and that's hopefully something that is like a lesson in and of itself. But to some degree, since we're talking about gender in fiction, the way that we experience gender in fiction is like somewhat divorced from the way we experience gender in society, but I think it is still a valuable thing to use to inform it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk a little bit first about just like what our experience with gender in society is, and like how society treats gender and constructs it and all that fun stuff. Okay, so do you want to start with the biological stuff? Just real brief? Yes. Um, so uh, men and women are biologically different from each other. Um, a lot of that is upstream from gender, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're... I, I mostly don't buy into evolutionary psychology stuff because I think a lot of it's just just so stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were world building, right, and I were making species that had this dimorphism in their in their sexes, I would assume a lot of things would happen culturally and socially as a result of that. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, especially raising children, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for for me, that the 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 children is one of the biggest thing like how a woman carries a child it makes sex so much different like the act of procreation is is so so much different between mm-hmm. men and women because of that and then the other thing big thing is just uh physical size mm-hmm. right because uh there are and we'll talk about this but there are for sure like women who are taller than me and women who are stronger than me but like if you look at the bell curves for height and and weight and stuff. That's that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. differences, and I think one of the biggest drivers of how gender developed. Probably, mm-hmm. like obviously, obviously we don't have a bunch of notes from ancient Rome about how their the justifications for their gender norms. Yeah, ju- justifications for why things were that way. We kind of, to some extent, know the way things were, mm-hmm. but it's it's you know, gender is very often a very hidden thing in terms of assumptions that people will will, will toss in right. and stuff but yeah i i would say the the difference in size and therefore to some extent to therefore the the difference in muscle is, is the big thing and then uh reproduction is the other big thing and there's a whole bunch of other stuff but those are the two big ones like if if i'm just looking at it from a from world building perspective mm-hmm. of, of our own world i guess yeah and um i will add that like, i i also agree that a lot of a lot of what kind of gets talked about in Evo site circles feels, um, like you said, like just so stories. But I will say that, like, we do have these different chemicals inside us, like, through puberty and people who are trans who undergo, uh, hormone therapy, uh, do report, like, differences based on, like, you know, different, uh, when, when, they, when they're getting hormone treatments and, and noticing differences in their experiences when they are getting heightened testosterone or yeah. lower testosterone or estrogen. And, like, the ways that we understand like why we why we have some trend trending differences between genders in society to some degree maybe explained by something about the chemical makeup. Yeah, it's it's very very hard to suss out mm-hmm. like what is 
going on in the chemical soup inside everyone's heads. And but yeah, I, that that is part of it. It's just it's a very mysterious part of it, and so I'm almost hesitant to mention it because I'm just like, I who who knows for sure, mm-hmm. right? Like there are definitely scientific papers. I've read a few of them on like differences in emotional response, but it's so hard to divorce from the sociocultural stuff. Yeah. So like to give one example, if you are not, if you've never heard of gender as a social construct before, um, one of the things that we mean is like women not having hair on their face, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That is, there is a biological part there, but then because of that, you get this ideal of manliness and this ideal of femininity where women who do have any hair on their face are expected to remove it, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're expected to, like, wax your lip. Um, and it's, like, an to, embarrassing to... thing if you, if you right. have, as a woman, right. if you have hair on your face. It's, like, considered... Yeah, so yeah. So, so there's the, the social-cultural pressure, and that's mm-hmm. not part, like, that's not natural, mm-hmm. right? That's not natural that there should be this culture... I mean, I would expect that to be downstream of of the biological stuff naturally right mm-hmm. but i i don't that's not like that's a constructed thing that's not part and parcel of like xx and xy which aren't even you know there's a lot of ways that gender can be different uh that can be like divergent like there mm-hmm. you you know there's like Kleinfelter syndrome and um being trans and stuff and a lot of that can be very different from the outset and there's a lot of conformity in, in various ways, right. right? Like most women have hair on their legs, right? Most most women have a social cultural expectation that they will shave that hair or, you know, epilate or wax or whatever and get rid of it. And that comes from our, our culture that come that doesn't come from biology. Yeah. And so when we talk about like expectations of gender or behavior norms for genders or like the ways that genders are like interacting or perceiving themselves, for me, what's interesting, therefore, is like, for in the fictional context, uh, it tends to be largely like how society or culture treats gender and how someone understands their gender, whether it's male, female, non-binary, trans, or something else in relation to the culture around them. Uh, there are definitely interesting storytelling conceits where like you redistribute from first principles of like what the gender means on a biological level. There's an interesting post recently by Eliezer actually about like trying to write a story in which the gender roles or world building in which gender roles are completely reversed, uh, male to female, like what, what would have to be different for that, for all that to develop. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting to think about stuff like that too. I think that could be good fertile ground for like storytelling. But for, for my part, I, I'm largely interested in like the, the way in which our expression of gender and our identities, self-identities are reflected by the culture around us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what fiction tends to largely so far explore. There's a lot of alien stuff that uh-huh. I think it's interesting. I think it's I think it's interesting to recast some of the biological sociological stuff like like you could do that with like a squid species mm-hmm. that's like totally inhuman and then there are gender conforming grooming rituals that mm-hmm. they do and and things like that that would just sound so strange to us <laughs> because because we have that like innate context and that's like an I'm using bunny ears for, for quotes. <laughs> uh, that a normal thing to do, you know. Yeah. But it, it's what it, there. There are a lot of things in in life and society. I just find I find deeply weird when I think about them mm-hmm. for like five minutes. But no, there's nothing else in terms of in terms of biology. That maybe some stuff that'll come up. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of like conformity and nonconformity and 
and wanting to be typical of your gender, but or wanting to not be typical of your gender. Yeah, I, th- I think that that um, wanting to not be typical of your gender and wanting to be t- versus wanting to be typical of your gender is like uh, interesting in the sense that, like you said before, for most societies, gender is like unquestioned assumptions, and so stories that quote unquote are about gender are almost always about questioning gender roles or questioning um, one's role uh, in society uh, that's assigned them by their gender. Yeah. As we talked about in the race and ethnicity episodes, like you can do a gender blind story where gender literally just like doesn't matter. You could have just rolled dice uh, for everyone's gender and, and no difference in the story. Scene to scene would have mattered at all. The stories where the gender like comes up, but it's not important to the story. Like sometimes someone will, you know, reference gender as an important thing or, or mention their gender relationship with people, but it doesn't, it's not like a, a major part of the character arc or plot. And then there are stories in which the gender of the character is a major part of the arc or character plot. You know, anything about fighting back against gender roles or confusion between male male and female characters, even in like a romance story, is like about gender in some respect. Yeah. But I've noticed that, as also mentioned in the race episode, there's this tendency for a lot of stories to kind of crowbar in gender in ways that doesn't always make sense. In the sense of like, you know, fantasy racism, where you'll have characters treated, like they'll, they'll take real world, uh, racism or homophobia or something and, and use the fantasy races as like a, as like a clumsy analogy to this. Mm-hmm. Despite, like, there actually being fundamental differences between, like, maybe Klingons and humans or something. Um, yeah. That just don't which, get, like, don't get addressed at all in, in the conversation. Yeah, which, which does not work. Yeah. It's, it's the X-Men problem where if you're, if you're gonna make the X-Men a metaphor for something, especially if you're gonna be very clear about what your metaphor is, you really don't want to say, okay, well, in our fantasy world, there there are like substantial differences between mm-hmm. mutants and non-mutants, and mutants like are specifically responsible for these dangerous things that have happened. Yeah. But then we're like, I, I don't know. It's it's it. That's a it's a, it's a very a very common problem for stories to run into if they're using fantastical stuff to address real world stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is where the biology stuff I think comes back a little bit in the sense of like. If you if you just try to flip the gender roles uh, and you don't address things like on average men being like stronger and larger than women and you don't address things like the way women are like vulnerable during pregnancy and men are not right and you don't address like you just ignore all that stuff it comes off as pretty clumsy uh, like you have to do some real world building and like race building and like whatever is different about your your alien race or your or your fantasy race or something that that allows these like changes in, in social things. Like, it's possible, of course, for a culture to develop in the reverse gender roles without making changes to the physiology or, like, using similar average physiology uh, expectations. But I want to know why. Like, I want, I want, I want to, for me as a reader, I, I'm curious to know what happened, what's different. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want it just to be, like, brushed off or, like, ignored even, because it just, it's, it makes it clear that the writer to me is, like, not really taking the issue seriously. They're just kind of, like, for lack of a better word, like, scoring easy points. Because the stuff is really complicated, and, like, if we assume that, like, the only thing that matters about gender is, like, the way that we experience it, like, we we, we miss a lot of good stories about characters that uh, are struggling to ex- express or, or understand their gender in, in cultures that, like, have a hard time understanding things other than a binary sense. Yeah. It, like, it just elides the entire experience of gender being something more complicated than that. All right, can we talk briefly about gender-blind stories. Yeah. So I, I went to the uh, Men Writing Women subreddit, mm-hmm. which is mostly a collection of posts. It's like snippets. Sometimes it's by women, which mm-hmm. is uh, 
which is funny to me. It's a collection of like bad examples of men trying and failing to to or, write women, or rather, good examples or funny examples of right. men trying to write women badly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the most common ones, just to give an example, is men will often write women with a uh, like constant awareness of their breasts, mm-hmm. as and like the state of their nipples or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it is it is weird how often that crops up, mm-hmm. right? But so I, I went to that subreddit and I, I was looking on the sidebar and it was a thing that said how to write women. And I, I, cause I could, I was looking for that cause I expected mm-hmm. it to be on the sidebar and I was wondering what their like how to guide looked like. And I went to the post and it's just like, Hey, we, we should, we don't need to tell you anything of like, just write them like people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is such a, like a bad, unhelpful answer. I don't think it's going to help anyone who is like honestly looking for help. And it's, it, I don't, I don't know. It really rubbed me the wrong way. Cause mm-hmm. like, I, I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking, well, you know, that is one way to write gender blind, right? It's just, right. It's a very specific way to write women, but I would argue that it would not help a male writer write the kind of the kind of book about women that would win a award about gender difference or like about exploring the gender, like women's gender, right? If that makes yeah. sense. I I think that there is a method. It's especially common in Hollywood right now, where if you write a like action movie mm-hmm. with a female lead, you just write her exactly like. A yep, man. Yep. And like you you just write like it's a script that's for a male action lead and then you just switch the gender of the actor and and that's all the uh, that's all the work that you do. And that can be fine. Like I I, I believe Alien was written that way. And like, you know, yeah. Alien was a great movie. Like there's nothing necessarily wrong with that process, but it does miss certain things. And you can't like yeah. if you treat every story like that. It means that it means that none of your characters are gonna be informed by gender. Right. Or, like, informed by their gender, and you're not going to, like... It might be true to life in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's just when I think about what it's like to grow up as a woman from what I know, right? Mm-hmm. Versus what I know, know about what it's like to grow up as a man. Th- those are such different experiences in so many ways that you would think it would have an impact on character, right? Yeah, in a certain sense, it's a little erasing to assume that it, would, it that wouldn't inform character at all. Yeah, and well, especially in, in the context of, you know, men writing women, it's right. erasing the woman side of it. You know, it's just it's just changing body parts. Which may be fine in, like, sci-fi, like, far future, like, if you're writing Star Trek, right, and, like, the the part, part of the point of, of, like, the Federation is that it is, like, post-racism, post-sexism, like, just in general, like, you know, this, like, egalitarian, super-ideal, futuristic world, like, sure, then it might be somewhat different in that, in that circumstance. But, I, like, it should be justified by the culture and this is what i meant earlier about like it's largely a question of how the culture reflects gender and not like a question about like how quote-unquote gender should always be written or something like that yeah i do think star trek does its best to like sidestep Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff like i don't know how starfleet deals with like sexual harassment or whether they whether whether they're completely (laughs) egalitarian about that yeah they're, they're, they're just too evolved to do any sexual harassment clearly yeah like like what you know, let's, I mean, obviously, if you watch Star Trek, the women are, are shorter and mm-hmm. usually less, less muscular than the men. And I'm, I'm like, I, I assume they have, I guess they don't have pay because they're, they're not communists, but they're like post money. Close enough, right? yeah. And I, I wonder about that, like, power dynamic. I wonder if it, their physical requirements for, like, getting into Starfleet or what, like, roles you can take on within Starfleet 
like do does that take gender into account is it gender blind in the sense that they require you to be like six feet tall <laughs> and this goes back to the this goes back to the race episode for me because like there are other there are alien races in Starfleet and like some of these alien races have literal magic powers right and like does that matter for Starfleet entrance exams yeah you know like it's it's yeah, there's a lot of ways in which Starfleet just kind of elides the whole question and just like, nope, super egalitarian, everyone's yeah. equal, don't worry about it. Yeah, and I, I wonder what Starfleet's maternity and paternity leave right, policies right. are and like how they deal with uh, a Starfleet member being pregnant and like, uh, I, I, there's so many questions that Starfleet just, I, I mean, that Star Trek as a show just sidesteps because it's easy to sidestep and I guess not that interesting for them, but but if if I hear someone say, you know, we have a society where everyone is completely equal, I'm like, well, these people aren't, you know, completely equivalent to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's one way of being gender blind is to pretend that, but like, I don't know, there there, there are methods of being egalitarian that are kind of like insidiously prejudiced, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like height height it being one example, right? Mm-hmm. It depends on what the criteria is for, but so in, in the history of race, especially, it has very often been the case that people will put in equal or fair restrictions that only target people of one race mm-hmm. or, the, or that are an attempt to sidestep like equality laws. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things. It's one of those things that I would like to see more of in in fiction. I And if you're not going to do anything about gender. Right. I, I understand you want to bypass all that stuff because it's not important in the average right right there's a lot of stuff that we just kind of don't include in stories if they're not important to them right like using the bathroom only matters if like something happens when they're using the bathroom you don't you don't generally include every time your characters go to the bathroom the same way you don't include like every time your women characters have to like deal with their periods and and you don't you don't you you just don't deal with a lot of these little things because they're not important to the story and that's totally fine yeah but sometimes it does lend itself to interesting storytelling to focus on these differences. Mm-hmm. This may be like a really bad example, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Um, in Pitch Black, uh, Pitch Black, Pitch Dark, the, mm-hmm. the Riddick, first Riddick Pitch movie, yeah, there was just like this reveal where one of the characters who had been presenting as male is like revealed to be a female. And the, the reason they're revealed to be a female is because this planet is full of like hungry aliens that's trying to eat them. And the character, the young the young girl starts uh, menstruating. And, like, this is, like, a thing that impacts the story at this point, right? This is, like, a danger that they're, they're in um, that they may have been able to avoid or, like, prevent in some way um, if she felt safe enough to reveal her gender. Uh, but there were reasons that she was hiding her gender in any case. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's tempting to always only have these things come up as an inconvenience uh, because they do... Like, the gender differences do tend to be, I'm just going to go ahead and say unfair in this respect, like, biologically speaking. Um, Yeah. There's just a lot of, like, unfairness towards (laughs) women. And the ways that that this might be story-relevant might only only be, you know, annoying to to have to deal with. So, like, it makes sense to just, like, elide them as, as much as possible. Yeah. But in some respects, like, taking that kind of stuff into consideration could be interesting. And, like, I certainly haven't seen it happen in most stories that talk about uh, gender differences by any, by any like, comparative metric. Uh, what I mean by that yeah. is, like, when a, when the main character is exploring gender in most fiction, you usually have them explore their gender in one of two ways. Either they are worried that they are insufficiently, ass- like, the, gen- the way their culture expects their gender to be, or they are rebelling against 
the gender that they're supposed to be. And most of the time, this, like, male versus anti-male expectation or female versus anti-female expectation just stays within this lane, right? You get a story about a male character who is, like, you know, not into sports and cars and manly things and gets picked on because of this and finds some way to, or is, like, really short and small, like Bean uh, in the Enders series, and, like, has to overcome the hurdle of, like, not not appearing like, or not presenting like, uh, the, the expectations of their gender. Or, like, if it's a female character, right, they are often going to be a, if they're, if they're, if they're not, like, worried about being attractive as a tomboy or something like this, which is what a lot of young female fiction, uh, sometimes worries about. It's the story of, like, a character who's trying to hide their gender so they can, they can be a, a knight or something. And in, Game of Thrones, you get the the unusual step of having the female character who is in the male role, male social role, be remarkably unfeminine in, in yeah. a number of ways. It's like remarked in the story by other female characters even that she is not just very tall and un, quote unquote unnaturally tall and muscular, uh, but also that she is just very ugly. And like this is like something that I think Caitlin Stark remarks is like a sad thing. Mm-hmm. And having those as as the the kind of only explorations of gender in, in stories it like kind of makes sense in the respect that like you have like society saying hey these are the two genders and then you have people who clearly don't fit in these genders having their their exploration of, of what that's like as like a as like an easy source of conflict for the character even if it's not the main point of the story it's just like another thing like thing they have to overcome like small dainty women in the police force like have to overcome that you know it's it's a good source of conflict i understand why it happens but you never really see in most fiction at least unless like it's like classified as you know queer fiction or something. You don't really see non-binary explorations in, in fiction. The the guy who doesn't feel quote unquote manly enough, I've never seen the the, the end result be basically them decide like, well, I just don't feel like a male. Like I don't I don't see why I should try to feel like a male. Yeah. Right. It's it's always like ah, but this is the ways that they they still show that the uh, that manliness can mean these other things too, which is which is fine. Like it's it's true. Like you can you can obviously be. Well, I was gonna say you can be a good male, but like even that needs to be unpacked, right? Like there, yeah. there, there is no one way to be a certain gender, but the the easy way out of this for the story is to just say that like they over they overcame this hurdle and showed that like they they can represent their gender in a in a different way. And as someone who who doesn't really feel represented by either gender personally, um, like I always wondered when I was reading these stories, like why the lesson wasn't more explicitly just that like this person just doesn't feel represented by the gender which is which is maybe not the case for most people like maybe yeah. the people who are, most people who are you know they, they, there is that common thing where like the the tomboyish girl still like wants to feel pretty and like wants to be able to like wear a dress once in a while and like i'm sure that's many women's experience um but like it seems like you can explore the idea of gender more thoroughly by just like deconstructing what what the expectation that culture has on you to conform yeah. to a certain gender looks like at all instead of just being in this male versus anti-male or female versus anti-female double dichotomy what i find it actually very interesting is that a lot of movies will not frame themselves as being about gender at all Mm -hmm. right like a man who starts out as a wimp and he becomes more manly or whatever Mm -hmm. oh what's my go-to example wanted if you ever saw that he's like he's like an a, a board office worker and then he finds out that his father was an international assassin mm-hmm. and he joins the league of assassins and he learns how to handle guns and he gets buff and mm-hmm. whatever that is not presented as a movie 
about, about gender, gender yeah. right? Uh, that is very often the case, especially, you know, if someone is becoming more of a idealized or like typified mm-hmm, mm-hmm. member of their gender. It's it's often not not presented as a gender thing. Mm-hmm. It's not it's it's about like taking control of your life is for for men is a very common one. Mm-hmm. That's, it's like the uh, fight club. He's like an right, office right. Uh, fight, fight club is much more about gender, I think. But it's still it's still not like marketed that much right. as it. And they don't they don't talk about it as about gender. Like no one mentions like you need as far as I remember. Like this is what men do. Right, men fight or something like that. Like, they, never, they don't have anything as that heavy-handed as that, as far as I can remember. It's just like this is this is who you're meant to be. Like be who, like don't be who society tells you to be. Like society is trying to trap you. And like this is presenting gender in a way that's like confining your quote-unquote true self. And like what true men do, according to Fight Club, is like beat the shit out of each other occasionally. Yeah. Right. And and yeah, same same for for women is even like a tomboy or mm-hmm. not even a tomboy. Uh, can't hardly wait. Is that the one I'm thinking of? She's like a painter mm-hmm. or whatever, and she wears overalls. And it's not that she is like she's unfeminine, but she's not manly. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. uh, she, there, there's no masculinity to it. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like. She, she's being agendered mm-hmm. and that's not presented really as a m- movie that's about gender either. Mm-hmm. It's kind of about uh, social stuff, right? Like if I asked people if that movie was about gender, I think maybe they'd say yes, but it's, it's certainly not like someone's go-to example of a movie that is about an exploration of gender, even though that's what like 90% of the content is right, right. stuff. That's not like a love story. Similarly, Miss Congeniality, maybe, or Sandra Bullock is like an FBI I don't think I've woman who needs to go undercover as a, mm-hmm. a fashion model, and she learns all this stuff. And uh, it, it again, it definitely is not marketed as a movie that's about gender, but it's very much is. <laughs> it's it's asserting like, a certain thing that like this character was. I, I'm presuming I haven't seen the movie. I'm presuming this character basically gets in touch with their feminine side, quote unquote, as part of the story. In in a way, I, I I don't know. It's it's kind of I'm trying to think about the plot of the movie. She's she's kind of like a slob, mm. and she only dresses in like suits and stuff. And she's you know an FBI agent. She has to like learn all these beauty pageant and traditional femininity mm. things. But it's it's not it's not presented in the same way that you would present something that was like not affirming of uh-huh, uh-huh. of that gender, right? If you if you wrote miscongeniality. I don't know if if you wrote a movie that was about the opposite, which is someone who had been on the beauty pageant scene for a long time and they like get done with it. And there's just like all these trappings are like, not me. I was just doing this mm-hmm. because of pressure from like my parents and stuff. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. That would be considered a gender story. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be, I think our society would frame that yeah, as yeah. a gender story. Far more than than the opposite, yeah. right? And and the same for for men. Like if it's you know some guy who's like a professional athlete or something who kind of rebelled against gender in whatever way, I, that would be framed as a gender story in a way that someone becoming a professional athlete mm-hmm. and like getting buff and and whatever wouldn't. Yeah, affirming is a good word. So when I what, earlier when I said male versus anti male, female versus anti female. I think actually it is good to say actually male affirming versus because uh, it, it's not denying. Yeah, it's right? like alternate male or something. It's like if it's not a male affirming story, 
like it's a male expanding story or something. Like it, 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 like expanding what it means to be male or what it means. Like right. This is the role that that the character. It was like the the journey that the character is going on with the Aesop that the story is is pushing. Yeah. Expansion of of what the gender role uh, might include. Yeah. And like maybe if you go outside of Western fiction, you you would see these these might be very different in terms of like like maybe gender affirming stories. It's like like maybe characters learn like oh I should be more gender conforming, otherwise bad stuff will happen to me or something. Uh, but in, yeah. in Western fiction, largely speaking, you are rewarded for pushing back against gender gender roles if you don't fit. Whereas, like, if you do, if you just want, if you want to fit the gender role, like, no one even mentions that. It's like you said, like, it's just it's just treated as like, oh, of course, this character just wants to be uh, stronger, or this character just wants to be prettier, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. The I don't know, because because there there you can be within the framework or you can be outside the framework, and I think you know. It makes sense that almost everything's inside the framework, mm-hmm. right? And then being outside the framework is like a lot of queer fiction. But yeah, the uh, the, the the sort of idea of a like different kind of male is is pushed a lot, mm-hmm. and it's pushed kind of as an alternative to just not caring about maleness. Right, right. So in 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 terms of archetype, you'd think the classic anti-male is like a like a bookish scholar mm-hmm. and the classic anti-female is a tomboy or uh, the classic anti-male is like the stay-at-home dad who cooks yeah like, this is where the social norms come in a lot right where you would expect a character arc for a character who is not sure about their identity to overcome hardships that makes them more sure about what they want and that's okay to want those things and generally speaking again in western fiction this is like this is treated as like a all things are okay for all genders, which is fine, but it never it never really takes the next step, which is like what do these gender roles do we still need them or something like that? Yeah, maybe there are, and I haven't read those stories yet. But I mean, I mean, you know, there's there's a whole genre of queer fiction yeah, yeah, out yeah. there mm-hmm. that that has that stuff, but you know, it's not. But it's classified it, as queer fiction, right? It's, it's not as right, like mainstream right. fiction. The only mainstream fiction I know. Quote unquote mainstream. Right? I don't know how popular it actually is, but the Anne Leckie uh, series, uh, Anc- the Ancillary Justice series, is a sci-fi world where the main character is an artificial intelligence, and the culture of this far future story set in has no gender distinctions in, in pronouns or or uh, or cultural fashion or anything. So all the characters are described and referred to with female pronouns. There are no indicators in the story that easily indicate whether someone is male or female. Like no one's, no one's secondary sex characteristics, like breast or uh, facial hair, as I mentioned. Makeup is sometimes mentioned, but it's un- just understood that this is like a thing that both genders use, or all genders rather. So you, you, you will read through the story, and you could read through the story and just picture every single character as female, or female presenting, or what we would consider female presenting from our, from our culture or something. Or you could find yourself like noticing something here and there that's like edging you towards considering someone more female presenting or male presenting or non non-binary or something like that. And something I found really interesting about the story was talking to someone else about the the, the story and like just just like comparing notes about like which characters we consider or like we imagine quote unquote as like male versus female or or neither. If if there was something in their in their in their personality or interactions that edged us one way or the other. It was sometimes interesting to see where we diverged. And, like, that's, like, the the only example I can really think of where, quote-unquote, a gender-blind story that still presents gender in an interesting way just through the presentation of the story itself. 
Yeah. Like, gender doesn't matter to the story at all, but the, the, the narrative itself is still, quote unquote, forcing you to think about gender in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And I like, I mean, I like the story itself. It's, I think it's just really good science fiction, but it's also just a really great experience to read compared to most stories that try to ignore or, or hand-fistedly talk about gender. Yeah. Other interesting ways that gender can inform character design is uh, the blind spots that genders have for each other. Gender, like, gender in, in modern society, at least, is one of the most present and least talked about things. Like, obviously, you know, it's easy to say, oh, what are you talking about? People talk about gender all the time. But realistically speaking, guys, I would say, have a very, very poor understanding of what it's like to be women, and women have a very poor understanding of what it's like to be guys, and neither of them have a very good understanding of what it's like to be non-binary, and, like, trans, and, like, it's just surprisingly badly understood as a as a phenomenon across the culture. Yeah. You know, like, there, there are traditional mindsets of, like, what genders should be that are still around uh, and still insist on, on their, their own rightness, and there are modern, like, takes on, on gender that are, like, that would, like, completely ignore any concept of, like, biology and biological sex in, in regards to gender, and there's, like, Obviously, there's like this progressive modern movement to like have a better understanding of gender and stuff like that. But even even with that, if you ask girls who are roughhousing to stop faster than you ask boys who are roughhousing to stop, you think that that's kind of like one of the ways we build gender into people. Yeah, it's insidious. Yeah, it it can be really hard to to notice all the ways that we we implicitly take for granted certain things. Mm-hmm. In in my own story, I like gender basically doesn't come up in large part because. It is a world in which one of the reasons that young characters can be as powerful in the society as they are is that all you need to be good at fighting in the Pokemon world, largely speaking, is relatively high athleticism, which, you know, young people can be really athletic, and the ability to throw and catch Pokeballs and remember commands and, like, shout them fast enough. It doesn't real reasonably really matter how physically strong you are, as long as you're, like, athletic enough to keep up with quick movements and uh, have enough stamina to go for a long time. There may be some mild advantages, but it's, in my understanding at least, it's not noticeable enough that it would really make a huge difference to Pokemon battling. Because of that, there's like no real reason that gender comes up in the story, but there's still a few things that I put in because I think that they're like likely to be somewhat, somewhat as an effect of, for lack of a better word, maybe like testosterone in boys who are going through puberty. Like, it's mentioned that like blue and red roughhouse uh, once in a while will like get into get into like physical fights when they when they argue and stuff and like finds it exasperating somewhat that like after red and blue fight they just think like we can just make up by just pretending everything's fine mm-hmm. uh, like we, this is how we've always like just made up like we just pretend everything's fine and just get back into it instead of like talking about their feelings and stuff and I think things like this are like relatively hard to to actually like stamp out of of a, of a society like they would be. They would just be so low level in terms of like expectation and and norms that like it would take a very strong effort to notice and like undo them such that there was any kind of equanimity there. And it's not to say that they couldn't notice this and try to change the way that they raise their children, but the Pokemon Society as it's commonly presented and as I imagine it, even in this like more serious version, tends to come off as a bit too perfect already in a lot of ways. So to me, it just makes sense to say that like, while they probably spent some effort centuries ago ensuring that girls grew up feeling just as capable and empowered to train Pokemon as boys do, and like whatever leftover gender norms that might have come from the ancient Pokemon societies were like eliminated in that respect. Other gender differences that are, for lack of a better phrase, lower level in importance uh, just haven't risen to their attention as a thing to worry about. Yeah, yeah, I, I find I find when I'm when I'm writing female characters, I'm, I focus much more on gender. Because because I'm worried about the blind spots, mm-hmm. right? I've read like I don't know a ton of stuff 
both like gender theory mm -hmm. and like feminist stuff that like goes like um I read Second Sex a while ago that that goes into a lot of the ways that that gender is there in in ways you wouldn't expect, mm -hmm. right? I, and I, I go on Reddit. Uh, to there's like a bunch of subreddits for you know crossing the gender divide to talk about some of the things that you just you can go your life without really thinking. And I've, I find it interesting. It's hard to know how much of that to put into into a book. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, if I'm just writing care, if I'm not writing a story about gender or that's not, you know, explicitly or only about gender or if I'm like building a world and I'm thinking about the characters in it and, and how they relate to gender, like to, to their gender. I don't know. It's 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 a very it's a very tough thing to do. I, I find I find gender one of the harder parts of writing, I guess, or it's the harder, it's one of the harder parts of building a character Yeah. because you're trying to think through all these things. You're trying to think through all the impacts, like a thousand impacts from society in one way or another. And it, I think it's easy to think it in terms of like a single grandmother who's like super traditional, mm -hmm. right? That's like, that's easy to think about, but the, the more subtle stuff, the, the, the blindness that you experience and then the blindness that others experience that impacts you is, is much harder. It's a much harder space to get into. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I've been starting on a new project lately and it's somewhat gender imbalanced. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about the, the spaces that are available for gender, like the interesting character design mm -hmm. things that, that you can get from it. Like, in terms of like how people individually view gender, right? Cause some people are, some people think of themselves as gender blind, yeah. right? They, they think it just doesn't matter exactly the same. And that makes them blind to a lot of the hidden stuff. Yeah. Right. So if you, if you try to, or if you just say, okay, I'm, I'm completely gender blind. doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, you're kind of ignoring expected life experiences mm -hmm. of both. Right. And that, that can make you unable, uh, unable to think about or to empathize properly, right? Because if, if, if you, you know, if I, if I hear, if I hear someone say that they were walking down the street at night and they like felt someone walking behind them and they, you know, they got scared and like started walking faster and made it home, whatever. That story is very different if it's a man or a woman, not the emotional part of it, right? But like the presumption of what's going to happen to them or the presumption of like whether they'd be capable of fighting off an attacker or even like, I, I don't know, it's it's, a, it's such a, a different like na naively if I like, I guess if someone was randomly telling me the story and I know nothing else about them, mm -hmm. but you need some of that background in there. And I think thinking about things like that and like how people are shaped by it is especially by especially in the hidden ways is, is very difficult yeah. and and it's it's hard in terms of design right it's hard in to, to get into it and to look at the little things because uh very often when i'm making a character i just want to like make them you know i just want to think about their personality and how the pieces fit together and then the history comes later mm -hmm. i don't think of you know i don't know if you do that when you're doing character design Usually, yeah, usually what, when I think of a character, or what, when a character comes to life, for lack of a better word, in my mind, it usually is because of some particular interesting or amusing interaction or trait that they have that feels 
alive enough to build a character around. Like, that just kind of takes a life of its own and starts, a character starts being, like, growing around it. Yeah, and then the history yeah, comes and then later. History, yeah, like history and backstory and all that kind of stuff usually comes later. Yeah, it's the same for me, and it's it's hard to it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard it's hard to think about the little things or or you know because I because I browse Reddit a lot and and like read answers there. There are certain things that just stick with us for like you know for like a decade or yeah, two. Yeah. Right. There's certain certain instances in childhood, like for a young woman who's like a teenager mm-hmm. who's like 13 and gets like catcalled by construction workers for the first time. Right. Or is right? riding the bus and like has a stranger just like sit next to them and put their hand on their, on their lap. Right. Yeah. It is the kind of thing that, like you said, like if you consider yourself gender blind, if you're designing characters gender blind, you might miss things like that that are bigger than, than you might expect. Yeah. And it, you know, it absolutely, that kind of stuff happens to boys too. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But I think we can agree at generally lower rate. And then the societal response to it is, is so much different. And that shapes character too. Right. right? The, like how, how that, how that incident becomes a story in your mind that you tell to other people, or even if you keep it to yourself, how that story is, is framed and contextualized by things you hear other people saying. You yeah. Know? For me, taking gender into consideration in stories is almost always about culture building like world building for the culture yeah when you talk about like the unexamined space for, for stories and, and and characters uh and again like not to say that no book has ever done these things but just like books doing these things without making it the main part of the story or like without putting them in, into like a specific shelf of the bookstore that you know is separate from fantasy or science fiction or or mystery or whatever you know whatever other genre you might you might expect it to have i think about things like characters that have experiences that are very unusual for the, for their gender to have and like how rarely that is taken into consideration when designing characters and like like I said like we talked about like like I don't I don't build characters like that but like you said I try to be more cognizant of it these days than I used to be when I was younger Berserk is uh, one of my favorite manga of all time and it is the only the only story I know where the male main character who is very strong and buff and actually guy like you know, strong sword, giant sword, fighty guy. He was raped as a young boy, and this is like a part of his story. And it's not the main part of his story, but it's a part of his story, and it has impact on his his early arcs, right? It is, it's not ignored, it's not swept to the side, it's treated pretty seriously, but it's not, it doesn't define the character, and it was just very refreshing in a lot of ways, and like set the tone of the story in a lot of ways. Uh, that I think was very powerful and is part of why I find the character, who is in in many ways a traditional like you you see a lot of you see a lot of different sides to him because of this. If you were just building from the concept of like what would be different about this character if if they were a female and the same thing happened to them, this is a male in a, in a culture where like males being sexually assaulted is like you know not treated as seriously or something or not mentioned as often or something like that. Right? Like you you it's it's a reflection of the culture around them that can be that can be just as interesting as the psychological effect on them. Yeah. And the way that, you know, romance is another one where, like, if you are a character who does not conform to your culture's uh, gender norms, you are essentially limited to finding a, a partner who is also okay with with breaking gender norms, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's... Because they, generally speaking, are are going to be okay. Either, like, there are people who are specifically looking for a, a gender... A, a character who is uh, conforming to a certain gender role. And so it's... they They would have to both be okay with the idea of gender as a social construct that's like has expanded uh, from the traditional senses of what it, what it looks like in that in that society yeah and 
when part of your your identity is something that you struggle with based on how culture treats you it's much easier it's like that's all it takes sometimes to become a, a, a reactionary against that culture or like to to start finding yourself outside that culture in other ways yeah right like if if someone if someone grows up being generally speaking unchallenged on on a number of different ways like the they follow the religion of their family without question uh they follow the gender norms that they're assigned without question they have no they have no discomfort with any of those aspects of their life generally speaking i i would say it's much less likely for them to notice the the pits and cracks in the society or the ways that the society fails or others uh, 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 certain segments of its population in various different ways mm-hmm. whereas once you are cognizant of that because you experience it it's easier to notice it in other ways not to say that it always happens uh, unfortunately uh, like there are definitely people who have been marginalized in one sense who who don't seem to recognize uh, the way that they, they themselves marginalize other people but in terms of designing characters if your character is someone who is like skeptical of the society around them for some various reason. I think it makes sense to, generally speaking, make this a character who, when they were younger, recognized a way in which society treated them that didn't fit their experience. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be gender, obviously. There can be other ways, but, but gender is a, is a good one. Yeah. And beyond, like, there is the reactionary stuff, but I think mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of texture in what reaction you can have to yeah, that. Because yeah, yeah, some, yeah. sometimes it's like, you know, there's injustice in the world, and like, but but sometimes it's it's people just thinking, okay, well, this rule is dumb, mm-hmm. so I guess I'm just not a, the kind of person who follows rules. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's like a that's a personal response to it. That's not a response to the system. You are not advocating for systemic change. You're just like it's just changing who you are by by the nature of you understanding that the rules are dumb and made up and they don't right. matter, right? I, I tend to think that people who rebel against systems are make more interesting characters. Mm-hmm. Not always the case. <laughs> I think, I, you know, I think that someone who has been affirmed by the system can be very interesting, especially, but, you know, they, they also tend to be villains, right? I mean, I mean, the, the protagonist generally goes against the status quo. They're, they're usually not going toward, they're usually not trying to maintain the status quo unless it's like a disaster action movie. Interestingly enough, I think I disagree with that. Although it depends on the type of story. Like you may have been about to say this, but I noticed that villains actually tend to be people who are like trying to overthrow the system, whereas heroes are the ones trying to preserve the system. And this is obviously different if it's like a dystopian setting, right? Where obviously the the, the hero is like plucky young teenager who's like you know down with the oppressive whatever. But like you know, if you have superhero stories, obviously you have this going on where. The heroes are the ones trying to maintain the status quo and, and preserve law and order, and the villains are trying to overthrow society. But also, like, if you if you consider like stories about reactionaries, where the reactionary is the is the quote unquote protagonist, they they tend to be the ones where they're trying to overthrow throw a violent or evil uh, culture. Yeah. Whereas the the antagonists usually tend to be trying to overthrow a quote unquote peaceful culture. Yeah. Like, regardless of how many people are, are suffering by the society, if it's more or less running smoothly or evenly or something like that the, it's like the person who's like doing violence first is the, is the bad guy regardless of anything else that's going on yeah where violence can mean mm-hmm. a number of things i mean when i when i think of like what what is mainstream right now it is much more well let me think about that uh, no I, I i do think that fighting against the system is is the like mainstream mm-hmm. assumption i guess like the the bad guys being part of the government 
or a corporation or oh yeah good point something actually. like that is 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 much more in in the modern day yeah i don't yeah. think that was always the case I, th- I think that that's definitely something that's you know we've seen a change toward that oh but... yeah almost always now there's like the for lack of a better word the terrorist bad guy and the corporate bad guy at the same time yeah right like it's there's the bad guy that's clearly like outside the system and also there's the bad guy that's like part of the system and like the hero is like the person who's trying to somehow like take down both. Mm-hmm. And and you have you know you have heroes who are inside the system and heroes who right, are outside right. the system. But bring bring it back to gender. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's very interesting in terms of. I'm trying to think about. <laughs> sorry, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about what it would be like to have a character who was fighting in favor of the status quo and the status quo they were fighting in favor of was gender. Mm-hmm. That sounds like super conservative to me, but right. I don't know what it would look like in terms of story. Right, so this is kind of what I meant earlier in terms of, like, if you go outside of Western fiction, maybe you'll find stories where, like, someone is trying to experiment outside their gender, and then things go horribly wrong, and then, like, they're like, ah, I, sh- I see I should have respected the wisdom of my elders or something like that, right? Yeah. In terms of, like, a, on a society-wide level, the concept of, like, trying to fight to affirm gender roles, yeah, it's a little bit hard to to imagine. The best guess I can come up with is something like the gender role is protective of something that is like ignored by the by the rash, uh, naive young youngsters. And like you know, if a conservative who cared a lot about gendered bathrooms or something was to write a novel about this, you know, the the antagonist would be uh, a male pretending to be a female, quote unquote, to to like you know rape girls in, in female bathrooms or something like that. It'd, it'd be J.K. Rowling. Yeah, it, it would be it would be pretty hard to think of that as as a in, in like a modern context, in like a modern world context. Right. Uh, but in a in a science fiction or fantasy context, I could see it being the case if you again if you if you if you take the gender norms to a degree that is non human, for lack of a better word. <laughs> you know what actually Zootopia might be a great degree. If you take Zootopia seriously there is a way in which a female police officer uh, that is a bunny rabbit is ridiculous. Not because they're female, but because they're a bunny rabbit and they're tiny. Right. Um, and as soon as they face a criminal who is not in a PG movie that is like a rhinoceros or something, they're just going to get killed. It's just like, I don't think they have guns in that story, right? I don't remember there being guns. I don't remember there being guns either. So, like, without that equalizer... Zootopia is just all kinds of screwed <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Zootopia is just such a weird... <laughs> I, it's a movie for children, but it, there's there's so much that is weird and in need of examining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and so, like, if we imagine a culture in which, for lack of a better word, like, biological differences in the genders is substantially different to the point where people trying to move outside their gender roles, like, actually get harmed in some way or cause harm in some way like taking this to an extreme like i'm imagining like a all-male collective trying to raise children and not being able to access like enough just like not not being able to produce milk for them and like trying to prove that they can take just as good care of them uh without women and then like substituting some like animal milk and then finding out that this doesn't like this causes the kids to get sick or something and like you know there's like there's like ways to there's like ways in which a extreme difference in in the genders uh might manifest uh such that people okay uh-huh. <laughs> so so when you say that i'm just like this is this probably just says more about my politics uh-huh. than anything else but i, I hear that and i'm like who in the world would write that story <laughs> like what is 
what are they trying to say? Like, what? Why did they set up this scenario? And like, what? I don't know. That, it's hard. It yeah, just... it's hard to imagine someone writing that without explicitly, like, without the point of writing it to be a straw man of of their political opponents, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's so it's it, like I can I can imagine <laughs> that world, right? But it's if if someone if I read a story, I I don't know. I it would be it would. It's hard for me to see how that would be executed in a way that wouldn't be, yeah, like super ham-fisted. Yeah, and uh, a super ham-fisted message that like we shouldn't mess with traditionalism, right, or, or something. But but again, this is this may be maybe just a reflection of my personal understanding of the world and the politics I abide by and stuff, yeah. rather than yeah, rather than 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 because there are inherent problems in upholding the status quo in terms of like, especially something like gender, you know? Yeah. I, I could very much imagine there being a, a oral history stories about people who try breaking gender norms and, and being punished by the gods or something for it. Right. It's, it's mm -hmm. a, as a product of the culture, as a product of the time period, like it feels much more salient to, to, to the culture to try to reinforce these, these gender norms as a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there, there's a lot of science fiction like that where it's, you know, someone pursues immortality and oh, yeah, oh God, yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. whatever someone tries to save a loved one, God forbid, and yeah. it inevitably leads to ruin or someone tries to make money. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I understand why <laughs> it is that way, but it's, it's, it's weird to me to try to map that to gender. Yeah. Which again, probably says more about me than any inherent difficulties with that? I think it definitely says more about the culture that we that we find ourselves in, or the culture that we quote unquote want to find ourselves in. Yeah, I think there's a lot of unexplored space for gender in fiction, but not all of it is necessarily good space to explore. And that's right. that's, right. that's one of them for sure for me. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. This is I think the last of the trilogy on these topics. Yeah. And next episode I think will be a postmortem on with the candle or animorphs. <laughs>